0: And welcome to First Bite, the preview podcast of the Detroit Lions from Pride of Detroit. PrideofDetroit.com, at Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Brought to you by the Pride of Detroit Podcast. It is First Bite, our little mini podcast, mini in the size that's about half the size of the podcast. Here to preview the matchup coming up here on the weekend for the Detroit Lions. It's First Bite, Bite. As in, like, a piece of information, B-Y-T-E, spelled that way. But also, it's a double entendre. See, it's like bite, like, you know, an animal biting. An animal, like a lion, it's biting you. The the reason why I'm explaining this is because I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Adequate. It's a joke. Jeremy Reisman is here, the fearless leader, and I am filling in for Ryan Matthews. The rock god is not here tonight. He is out somewhere on the road. So it's me and Jeremy. Hey buddy, how's it going? I hate you. <laughs> wow. Jeremy has bad opinions on food, people. Oh geez, we're not getting
1: into that. And maybe yes, we'll we are. It for the podcast for that one. Yeah, we'll wait for the POD cast for that we'll one. Anyway, it. thank you for, for making sure this podcast got off its feet.
0: I don't know if it's off its feet right now. It's yeah. more like I mean the feet are planted on the ground, but I don't think we've left the couch yet. <laughs> Not after, not after that Sunday POD cast. Uh, let's bring in our friend here. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me find it again. I've More for no. the first name, more for the first name than anything. I just had to remember the first name. You know me and Christian first names. From Cat Scratch Reader, you know, the Lions taking on the Carolina Panthers. So we're bringing, it's a cat fight. So we're bringing in a Carolina Panthers guest, Brian Beversluice from Cat Scratch Reader. Brian, how you doing, buddy? You got the name right. Good for you. That's uh yeah, I, I, <laughs> I said I would <laughs> I said I would. I almost task. called you like Todd or something. That's just how it, it happens here on the POD cast and on first Flight when I am in charge. Adequate. You know, I'd I'd be okay with being called Brian Todd. That seems much simpler than No, no, no I my mean name, like so. Todd Bever I was gonna call you that. <laughs> what the hell? All right. Yeah, fine. exactly.
1: Exactly. That is most people's reaction to Chris in any form. Mm-hmm.
2: What
0: I'm the glad hell? that I'm, I'm glad that I'm part of your normalcy here. So
1: <laughs>
0: extremely normal happenings here on the P on the first bite. I almost keep calling it the POD cast. I haven't hosted one again in a while. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you take this away? Why don't you pick Brian's brain here? Like we, we've got, we've got the Panthers coming in. They're a solid second place in the NFC South yeah it I, might be a little hard at this point to catch the Saints but this is this is looking up to shape another tough game ahead of us
1: it's it's been an interesting season for the Panthers and and I'm glad we have Brian along with with us because there, there are a couple things that stick out that are kind of odd about this season to me and the first thing that sticks out to me at least is kind of the role reversal in the team's identity because the offense seems to have finally come together now that cam Newton has a bunch of weapons that um you know, I don't know. It, it, everything just seems to be clicking on offense, but defensively, which has typically been this team's identity, it's not been so good. They're they're twenty third in points allowed. They're twenty fourth in DVOA on defense. Um, Brian, is it the same kind of perspective being inside the the organization, you know, following the the Panthers as as it is kind of this outsider perspective?
2: Uh, to put it the best way, the Panthers have been consistently inconsistent on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, Their defense has been dominant at times. And then we also see the 30 point blowouts against the Steelers on Thursday night football. Um, They have a really, they have a very good defensive group. James Bradbury is not Josh Norman, but he's pretty close. Um, Dante Jackson is a very good rookie as far as being a cornerback in the league. Second round pick. Uh, Their safeties aren't bad. Eric Reed has certainly proved to be worth the money they paid him, which is not a whole lot. Front seven still there. Um, it kind of seems like maybe a coaching thing with them as far as their defense struggling, because there's just a lot of tight ends getting free releases against them. Mm. And it's, it's kind of weird because Eric Washington is not like an old, an old minded guy. He's not an older coach. He's, He's in his 30s or 40s, you know, he's a younger defensive coordinator, but he's still got that same, like, bend-but-don't-break mindset as far as the defense goes, and that really doesn't work in today's NFL, at least against good teams like the Saints or the Eagles or the Falcons where they can throw the ball 45, 50 times a game, five to seven yards down the field, and make completions. It's just... They're playing an older style of football in a league where passing is more of the priority, I guess, is the best way to put it.
1: It's kind of interesting you put it that way because I feel like a lot of people, and we mentioned this on this week's podcast, think the Lions offense is kind of going back in time as well, where they're not as heavily relying on the passing game. They're trying to become more of a balanced team, and it's worked to mix results. Uh, Obviously not so great lately, but, Um, had a little bit of success in Miami, but I want to go back over to the the Panthers offense a little bit, because to me, it's, it's kind of fascinating. You talk about being consistently inconsistent. I think a lot of people would categorize Cam Newton that way. Um, MVP season one type of year completes less than 60% of passes. The next one thing that's remained consistent, obviously is his ability to run the ball. Um, But this, this year kind of, it seems like he's back on the upswing and, I guess I want to ask how much Christian McCaffrey is making the difference because he's obviously the biggest threat outside of Cam Newton on offense. Um, does he affect every single aspect of that team since he's such a threat in the receiving and the rushing game?
2: So before I get into that, I just want to ask, is it okay if I answer the first part of your question? Yes, please. i really ask the question. But, um, so Cam Newton had, in his first year, he had Steve Smith, Brandon LaFell, young he had greg olson jeremy shockey d'angelo williams jonathan stewart a pretty good offensive group Mm -hmm. and a year afterwards basically the same and then since then just a terrible group of supporting supporting cast i mean for god's sakes he went to the super bowl with jericho cotry as his number one wide receiver ted ginn philly brown devin funches in his rookie year he's just never really had a great supporting cast around him. It's always seemed like he's kind of elevated that supporting cast around him. Um, For example, last year they had Brenton Burson who would never play for another NFL team. And he was one of the guys who played a ton of snaps for them at the end of the year. Um, this team suddenly has more weapons for him that he can work with. And I think that has a lot to do with why he's on the upswing because he's got DJ Moore, first round wide receiver. Curtis Samuel was a second round pick last year as a wide receiver. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, as you guys mentioned earlier, is a big weapon. He's been a huge part of the offense. Like they were they signed CJ Anderson expecting him to like split snaps with him. And instead, Christian McCaffrey was so effective that they just released C.J. Anderson this week. (laughs) I didn't agree with the move, but I get it because C.J. Anderson was essentially playing like five snaps a game. For a guy who wants to go get a higher end running back contract, I understand that. Um, McCaffrey does so much for this offense, but I think in general, this is the best supporting cast Cam has had since probably his second year in the league.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the stats kind of bear that out. As I was saying, this team is uh, is already uh, seventh, eighth, ninth. Sorry, ninth in points scored. There it is. Uh, but let, let's go back to that Steelers game. And I I know you probably don't want to, but I think a lot of teams that have the Panthers on that. <laughs> I,
2: I don't remember that. I remember <laughs> I remember getting home from work that day and turning on the TV and then just blacking
1: out. I just assumed um, I got drunk or something. But well, I'm going to have to have you. Feeling? I'm going to have to have you dig into your suppressed memory for a second here because yeah. okay. uh, a, a lot of teams are going to look at that tape, I think, and, and try to figure out um, how, how to beat this Panthers team using that as a blueprint. Um, was this just kind of an aberration of a game for the the, the Panthers and that everything went wrong? Did the Steelers find out some sort of weakness amongst this team? And, and where are you as a fan now seeing that a team like the Steelers just blew the doors off the Panthers uh in one week is that are you able to brush that off or or are there some legitimate concerns about the team right now
2: so for any panthers fans listening here you may have heard me say this before but i felt like the saints wrote the book on how to beat the panthers which is to make the linebackers play absolutely perfectly and to take advantage of the secondary and the steelers did exactly that on thursday Mm -hmm. um My main issue with that game was that the players like the Panthers fans have really been coming at the coaches recently. But on Thursday, it was just a lack of execution. I mean, the first play where the Steelers scored James Bradbury crashed down on what was cover three. He was the one of the deep thirds. He crashed down on an under route, which left Juju Smith-Schuster wide open. And this team is so momentum based where when they get they got punched in the mouth in that game and they went up, they went down 21 to seven before they even, even can respond. And they're not a team where they can do that. They have to have like, they are a momentum based team. Cam Newton is a big part of that. So they just got punched in the mouth and that's, that happens sometimes in football. I'm sure as Lions fans, you guys know that. Um,
1: I we've, wouldn't taking quite a bit of licks.
2: <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say it's necessarily like, an indicator that the Panthers are a bad team per se. I just think they got caught on a short week away against a very good Steelers team. Um, and the execution was definitely poor on basically all aspects of the ball minus Cam Newton. And you can, you can say what you want about that pick six, but other than that, he played pretty well. Um, It's tough because Thursday night football nowadays is just the home team usually has the advantage. I believe the spreads over 20 points a game between the home and the away team nowadays. So I feel like that was more of an aberration rather than a uh, or an anomaly rather than the norm for them because they've come out and played very good games this year. I think you're going to see a better Carolina Panthers team on Sunday.
1: Let me let me kind of widen expectations here and, and just ask you simply where are your thoughts on where this team is right now? Where do they rank? Not necessarily one through seven or one through eight or whatever in the NFC. But what are your expectations are for the season? You know, they're six and three right now. As Chris said, they're second in their division. Um, playoffs is obviously a goal. Um, do you think they have a chance to make noise? Do you think this is potentially a championship team?
2: The Panthers are such a weird team to follow. <laughs> and it's mainly because they will sometimes play way over their heads, like in 2015 mm-hmm. and sometimes in like, let's say this year or last year in the Chicago loss, which I don't know if you guys remember that, but they essentially gave the Chicago bears 14 points. Mitch Trubisky completed seven passes and they still lost. So, it's, it's kind of a, t- a tough question for me to answer right now because this Panthers is so wildly inconsistent. Like I said earlier, they're consistently inconsistent. Um, I think this team has the talent to be a wild card playoff team, but there's just so much that has to go right for them. Like they need to, their offense needs to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey in space. Their offense needs to get DJ Moore the ball in space. Their wide receivers can't be dropped in passes. Cam Newton needs to be protected. And for the most part, he has been, but the Steelers really exposed that this past Thursday. Um, On defense, they play a lot of the same stuff that Sean McDermott and before him and after him, Steve Wilkes had, where it was Bemba, don't break, get after the quarterback, force him to make a bad throw. And they've been very inconsistent with that it's it's tough for me to say because i could very easily see them going eight and eight but i could also very easily see them going 12 and four it's this team is so wildly inconsistent at this point where it's like it's hard to gauge where they're going to be at if you had to ask me with a gun to my head where i think they're going to be i would say i think they're going to be nine and seven and probably miss the playoffs because they're so talented but they also shoot themselves in the foot so often Mm. that it's tough for me to say they're going to pull out a win against the foul against the saints or even two wins. or so they're going to pull out a win against the Falcons who have their number. Like this team is very good, but there's a lot of problems as well. And cam Newton is the, is basically the driving force there. He's if he's on point they they can win against any team in the league, any team he's never lost to Tom Brady, but he can also lose to the Chicago Bears where Tom where Mitch Trubisky throws seven passes and
1: they still win. So, by the way, we're, we're here for all the Mitch Trubisky hate that you want to throw out there, please. That was good to hear.
0: Go ahead. I will, I will say was
2: right hilarious to me because it was just the epitome of Panthers football. As far as like a, a game or a season goes like they have like a really promising season and then they go out there and they give Fourteen points to a John Fox offense that likes to punt the ball on fourth and one at the thirty-nine of their opponent's field. So it's
0: it's just a, it's just a cruel joke, is what it is.
2: Just,
0: By the way, I will point out too, in as we are looking at six and three, the Panthers away record is one and three. So all three losses coming on the road. But granted, that's also true of the entire NFC South, unless your name is the New Orleans Saints, apparently. So the Panthers
2: have been a very good team at home ever since two thousand and eight,
0: so yeah, I mean whenever, that's for everyone, and I mean, like it's not like we're talking much here. Well, Lions are one and four at away but but i mean there's there's a lot of difference there going on too tonight, yeah, I mean um, like
2: for the Panthers, it's just a matter of that they play very well at home. I don't really understand what the sudden big spread
0: is between their performance at home and their performance away. I think that's just about typical for most, uh, for a lot of NFL teams. I was just bringing that up there. What's weird about that is
2: back in 2003. I don't know if you guys remember that, but they were like better at away than they were at home. If you, Mm -hmm. if you uh, remember that. So I don't know what that is, but yes, the Panthers would definitely be favored by having say in the playoffs, they did make it that home field advantage, but they're two games back on the Falcons, so we may not see that—or I should say the Saints—we may
1: not see that happen. So, and right. and who knows if the Lions are actually going to have a home field advantage this week because they're for some reason practicing outside, not in where? Yeah, I don't inside where the dome <laughs> conditions are actually going to be this week. But hey, you know what? Good for you, Matt Patricia. You want to play in the Saints? Yeah,
0: hey, you want to play? You want to play tough? That's what the—that's that the, what the fans want to see. That's always cool marketing. We're taking a quick break here. And when we come back on Pride of Detroit's First Bite, we will be talking some more about the Panthers, starting to get ready, starting to gear up, look at individual match- matchups here. It's Chris Perfett, Jeremy Reisman here with you with Brian Beversleus. We'll be right back here on First Bite. And we're back. First bite rolls right along. This is where we transition into talking about individual matchups. Brian Beversleuths from Cat Scratch Reader is here with us. Brian, I asked one of your compatriots over at Cat Scratch Reader. um, And I think I'm doing this kind of as a crutch now to match up defensive, the defensive backs of the Panthers against Lions receivers, which is obviously becoming a harder and harder question as Lions seem to get rid of more of those said receivers. <laughs> but just talk like, I mean, Jeremy, jump in here too. We want to get into matchups. So, I mean, that's always a good place enough to start. Who's going to cover what right now?
1: Yeah, and I, I guess my my question is, because you said something that at least perked my ears up in the first segment when you said James Bradbury is close to Josh Norton, or Norman, sorry, Josh Norman, as they get. Um, tell me a little bit about James Bradbury, because honestly, I'll be honest, I don't really know much about him. I know he was a second-round pick in 2016, but what makes him as good? And what makes him, is he a physical corner? Is he just, you know, good closing speed? What makes him kind of um, as good as, as you as you claim he is? Because I think the best chance the Lions have in this game is, is for Kenny Galladay to probably win his matchup, and I'm guessing James Bradbury is going to be the guy up against him.
2: So the reason why I brought up James Bradbury earlier, and I didn't say he was as good as Josh Norman, I just said, I felt he was almost as good. Um, So he limited Mike Evans to one reception a few weeks ago against the Buccaneers, which is not, not a terribly easy feat to do, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, Bradbury, as far as his physical profile and how he plays football is very similar to Josh Norman. He's a big guy. He can shadow the number one receiver. Um, he's definitely not at the same level that Norman was in his fourth year in the league. But granted, Bradbury is not in his fourth year of the league. He was also a he's he's a he was immediately tasked with being the the number one corner where Norman was essentially relegated to Ron Rivera's doghouse. Um, Bradbury is just exactly what you would want in a zone corner in the fact that he's able he. He's long. He's got a ton of uh, length and reach. He's a very big guy as far as corners go. He's very smart. Um, he's not particularly good against the faster receivers in the league, which is why I, we saw Dante Jackson covering Antonio Brown last week. But when it comes to like the bigger physical receivers in the league, Bradbury seems to hold his own pretty well. Um, he's definitely somebody trending upward and against the Buccaneers who have one of the better receiving groups in the league. They him and Dante Jackson shut them down pretty good, which was against Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. Um, I think Galladay certainly could be a problem. I would say I'm probably more likely to see Marvin Jones up against James Bradbury and Galladay up against Dante Jackson but
1: This well, time, I, go ahead I was just saying I have good news for you uh, I don't think there's a chance Marvin Jones plays in this game he's he's missed the first two days of practice with a with a, what is a knee injury a knee injury yeah I don't think he's going to play this week So that's good news yeah, yeah. If, if that turns out to be the case, do you think that it, it's definitely going to be one-on-one Galladay versus Bradbury? Probably not, to be honest. Um, okay. Bradbury only seems to
2: shadow those receivers who are considered like the consensus top receiver for that team. And I don't mean in the sense of like, okay, all these guys are injured, so this guy is the number one. That's who he's going to shadow. It's usually like the Julio Jones, the Mike Evans. um, you know the Michael Thomas's he's sure. usually that he's usually shadowing those guys only cuz he matches up super well where i feel like carolina wouldn't be super uncomfortable with splitting the coverage between Bradbury and Jackson cuz they both bring good press coverage techniques and they both have, have their own skill sets um i firmly believe that within 3 years that Dante Jackson will be the number 1 corner for carolina if Hypothetically, Carolina does sign James Bradbury to an extension at some point. Um, I just think Jackson is a better overall athlete, and he's way scrappier. Um, that guy should have been a first-round pick. So, I'd be totally happy with seeing Jackson shadow Gall- Galladay all of Sunday. But that's not really Carolina's mo when somebody when they have they're facing a receiver or a offense where. There's a lot of different guys they can face up with, and there's not really one consensus option. Um, But there's two different sides of what the secondary looks like. There's a secondary where Dante, or excuse me, Deshaun Jackson catches two passes and uh, Mike Evans catches one. And there's the secondary where Antonio Brown beats the doors off of Antonio, of a, Dante Jackson and scores a touchdown and uh Juju Smith juicer does the same thing. So it's, right. I can't guarantee that we're going to shut the lines down by any means, but that's certainly something to watch out for is that receiver cornerback matchup.
0: All right. And uh, let me ask you this, then, before we move on to our game of things we think we know, since we cover a lot of how the Panthers will do it, where where should the Lions, if they want to exploit the Panthers, how what's what do you see their plan of attack could be? Running the football seems to work out well for a lot of teams. It's it's weird,
2: like you look at the stats and you see Carolina is a higher ranked rushing defense, but watching them snap to snap every game, which is what I do. They are very, very bad at defending the run consistently throughout the game. Um, Like if a team were to consistently be like, we're going to pound the rock against this offense or this defense. I could see them going for 150 to 200 yards rushing. It's, Luke Kuechly is not the same player he was, and I'm not saying that he's any worse, but I feel like NFL offenses have adapted to, okay, we have this superhuman presence in the middle. We're going to throw the ball six to seven yards down the field and kind of nullify that. We're going to throw screens. We're going to throw bubble screens. We're going to throw slants. And as good as Luke Kuechly is, he he can't stop all that stuff. Like, he's not... The only players in my mind in the NFL these days who can be a game breaker on the defense where like they can totally shut down and a defensive game or an offensive game plan is guys like Khalil Mack, where they can sack the quarterback and stop the run. And Luke Kuechly is really, really good. He is the best middle linebacker in the league, in my opinion. But there's only so much a middle linebacker can do on a defense. So in my mind, Carolina is weak in the short to intermediate routes, where they're going to give some free releases to some guys. So that could be a problem.
0: All right. And now I want to have Jeremy and Brian here play things we think we think we know. We do not do predictions here. We do not do score predictions. We do not give keys to the game. We give you simply things that we think we think we know. No one is perfect, everyone is flawed. Jeremy. We'll start you off. What do you think you think you know about this game?
1: Well, we kind of avoided talking about it in most of this podcast, um, but I think the Panthers' pass offense versus the Lions' pass defense is a crazy, crazy, crazy uh, upset or, or mismatch, I should say. Um, Cam Newton playing at the top of this game. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, he's got a whole bunch of weapons at his disposal, including Christian McCaffrey. I don't think the Lions have anyone who can cover any of those guys, even though Darius Slay is probably going to come back this week. Um, so I think, I think I know that Cam Newton is going to throw for 350 yards in this game. Cool. Four. All right, Brian, you're the guest
2: here. It's your turn. So based on the premise you're giving me, essentially, it seems like
0: I just am predicting what's going to happen in the game. Just just one thing, one thing you think. It doesn't need to be a macro thing, just like one element of the game that you are confident on here. Like, it can be, yeah, yeah. I get it. So what I'm confident on is
2: the Panthers are going to run Christian McCaffrey down the lion's throats because they tried to do that against the Steelers and the Steelers put them up 21 to seven before anybody could even catch their breaths. McCaffrey has been very effective down the throat, down the middle, outside catching the ball. It's very clear that this offense wants to keep him involved and we're going to see a heavy dose of Christian McCaffrey, at least in those first two drives, because quite frankly, I don't, I mean, no, no disrespect to you guys, to the Lions fans or anybody listening here, but who, on that Lions defense is going to cover Christian McCaffrey one-on-one let's be real here so that's who they're going to target and I think McCaffrey is going to see like a probably over 100 yards in scrimmage
1: probably two touchdown game against the Lions yeah that that's that's an interesting matchup especially running the ball because the Lions have gotten a lot better defending the run ever since Damon Harrison uh joined the team a couple weeks ago but it looks like a Robinson who's been almost as good as snacks uh, is probably not going to play in this game too. He's missed the first two practices. So it'll see, how, it'll be interesting how the, the Lions defense rebounds without him and with, you know, one of the best dual threat running backs in the league. All right. I
0: think that's where we're going to leave it, Brian uh, Thank you very much for joining us. Where can plug your stuff? Where can people find you?
2: So you're probably going to have a hard time finding me on Twitter because my last name is very hard to spell, but I will spell it anyway. Uh, Brian B-R-I-A-N Beversluse B-E-V-E-R-S-L-U-I-S. That is my Twitter handle at Brian Beversluse. I am the social media czar for Cat Scratch Reader. Probably more easy to find that. Um, come follow us on there. We'll have plenty of coverage about the Lions game. Um We'll also have our own podcast up. Hopefully, we've got some technical difficulties going on right now, but we usually have a weekly podcast as well. Um, that said, usually I like to have fun on game day with the CSR handle, so you'll probably see a few snarky tweets from me, and don't take them personally. I'm just here to have fun. I hope that the I hope that the, the that you guys' handle also has fun backwards because I'm not there to to piss
0: anybody off. I'm just there having fun. Um, so yeah, come join us on having Twitter fun. on Sunday, having fun and goofing off on twitter.com. <laughs> Brian, oh, yeah. thank you very much for joining us. And thank you, the listener for listening to first bite from pride of Detroit, iTunes. I I'm told that I should be referring it to it as Apple podcast now. Well, y'all shouldn't have done it on iTunes to begin with iTunes slash Apple podcast, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, let's see Google play, <laughs> Google podcast, uh, Stitcher. Spotify, what else? Spreaker, maybe? I don't know. Uh, it's all over the place. Go go look for it on your favorite podcasting platforms. Look for the Pride of Detroit POD cast coming out after the game, too. Thank you for listening to First Bite, Chris Perfett, Jeremy Reisman, Brian Beversleus is our guest. We will see you all, starside.
2: We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.
1: Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets.